2: We're, we're on here right now speaking about The Wire. Like, who would have ever thought, I shared this with my fans last week, who would have ever thought 20 years later we'll, we'll, we, would, we would still be talking about it?
3: Hey everyone, I'm Kobe. And I'm Dave. And welcome to The Wire Strip Podcast. We're the podcast that goes through each episode of The Wire, one by one. But you don't just hear from us. You hear from some of the cast you hear from the crew some of the creators and we also hear from you guys too so stay tuned to find out how we can hear your voice on this podcast
4: yeah and if you want to have a chat we're at social media we're on all the social medias at the wire stripped uh, primarily twitter and instagram or email us burner at the wire stripped Com. But uh, without much further ado, let's get on to uh, myself and Kobe's chat that we recorded earlier. It's about episode 12 of season four, which is called That's Got His Up.
5: When you walk through the
4: garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track
6: walk
4: with Jesus,
6: he's gonna save
4: your soul, just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He got the fire and the fury.
3: Welcome everyone, uh, we are now observing the training of the young pup.
4: Yes, we're parked outside the um, the live exercise yard. <laughs> it's it's like a proper like
3: I don't know SAS training or Black Ops or SWATs. Is
4: yeah, training. I was I was expecting some of those cardboard cutouts to just suddenly <laughs> pop up. You know, somebody with a gun, with a, and been... then a woman with a handbag, and you're like, oh, make a decision, Michael.
3: Exactly, yeah. and we didn't see that. But I mean, when when you first saw this, what did you think was happening?
4: I. Well, I was uh, at no point did I think Michael was in danger. Is that if that's what you're getting at? I, no, because yeah. I didn't think
3: so either. I, I guess that's what they're trying to get at. Yeah, because Snoop and you know you see someone running, and you see them being chased by Snoop and There's no Chris sense Partland. of threat. But at the same time, it's like
4: I don't think this is this doesn't make sense. Also, quite. it's not Chris and Snoop's style to run. It's We've never seen true. them chase anybody. That's true, actually. Right they just they just march they basically like march their victims that's into like they, an abandoned house they
3: appear with an empty like yeah. uh, plastic crate that you would go put the records in and but that's got <laughs> yeah. that's got your nail gun and your gun yeah. and, and or your, your pvc too like.
4: and you're like follow me yeah <laughs> come on in here <laughs> like, yeah that's so, true actually i
3: can't imagine them running to chase them down that's that's probably why i didn't twig that's probably why i didn't think it was happening yeah
4: something's up and also they've been training <laughs> they've been spending a lot of time to recruit this guy and yeah. suddenly they're trying to kill him. So yeah, that's the start of the episode and uh interesting though to me how just like I don't know how much time has passed, if any at all, but like Michael is suddenly like insane crack shot. Right? Well yeah. He's a quick learner, I guess. Well, I think it, I think
3: that's probably part of the training we haven't seen. But maybe he's not a bad shot in the first place. Maybe he's not. He's held a gun a few times before.
4: But how many of these training sessions has he been doing? He took down Chris and Snoop on his first one. It was just, it kind of. And seemed they like... seemed super happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were very proud. Yeah. What I really wanted, though, to follow this is like Empire Strikes Back style. I want Michael on like Chris's back. Mm. Um, or no no it'd be Chris on Michael's back. Snoop on Snoop on Michael's back yeah. uh while he's running and doing somersaults. Oh right, you went to that the um, through the vacance. What with like would like yeah. Bug in his, in the brooksack. And her yeah, yeah, just <laughs> whispering things into his ear like Focus <laughs>
3: Um yes. Is that too much to ask? I don't think I mean we can ask David Simon David if yeah. you're listening to this, which you must be um <laughs> can you reshoot the scene please, yeah, please. for the special edition <laughs> do a George the Lucas. wire
4: special edition, you know, go back and fix all the things that you got wrong the exactly. first time yeah put a, add a lot of c g in there put
3: a CGI uh, um <laughs> jab of the hut in there as well <laughs> for, for whatever reason I think we're digressing, but yeah we this it's cool we see we we see the young pup he's he's getting some skills um. Which is interesting, um, but I think we'll, let's stick with the with Michael and his and his friends ahead uh, we'll to the school. Um, in the previous episode, I don't think we talked about it much, but Dookie has been fast tracked mm. to the high school, which is not what he needs.
4: No, <laughs> and it's not what he's he's not he's not happy about it, and neither no. is Prez. So so Prez goes to uh, Marsha Donnelly in this mm. episode to try and sort of appeal to her, say he's not ready for high school. Uh, you know, he's got it-
3: the book smarts but he he hasn't got the the social skills yeah, he'll no. get eaten
4: alive yeah plus he's the kind of like he's needs his clique yeah, right does. like they kind of like as we saw in the very first episode boys of summer like they look out for him yeah. as well as much as they kind of bully him as well it it is kind of a um, a love-hate relationship mm. and I think suddenly to put him out on his own without any social circles I think prez correctly identifies Prez as knows a what's going on.
3: Yeah. pres yeah, knows exactly what's going on. And, um, mate, I'll just... <laughs> the amount of times you feel sorry for Dookie whenever you see him in the wire, this is this is another one. And it should be, I guess in some ways, it should be a happy day. But, mate, of 13, 14, if someone said, you're going to leave your friends behind and go to a different school, you'd be like, I don't want to.
4: Yeah... No exactly, I think uh, you're right. We'd all feel like that, and his circumstances are particularly dire, yeah, and the other thing that stood out from that scene was m- like Marsha Donnelly's response to Prez about you know she well, she shows how astute she is, mm-hmm. that she's realized that he's been clothing um Dookie. yeah Dookie, he's yeah. been um he's been feeding him, and she kind of says, you know, you can't adopt him, you know um she's she's what what looks to be very like a very cynical worldview um, and a bit heartless she's actually trying to steal prayers for a career in teaching Mm. right for what's to come there's uh, plenty more kids coming
3: i can understand that he needs to have that tension for all the kids dookie will leave hopefully become an adult there'll be new kids that need his help and hopefully he can give them the same amount of care and attention that he's given to to Dookie and Randy and the kids, but yeah, it's it's a hard. It must be hard. For, it must it must be hard for teachers. You
4: know, Jermaine, that's
7: that's the little bro. You know, he's like big, the biggest shit now.
4: This is the voice of Nathan Corbett, who played Donut.
7: That's the little bro. And he's like uh the kindest person you would meet, and it's funny watching him shoot Dookie because he was always fresh as shit. Like Jermaine was always like the one of the iciest cats you meet. Like and so when he would transform into Dookie. You know, it just, would, it just was amazing to speak so, you know, him as a thespian, you know, and him as a professional. If,
1: if I'm a police officer and I'm working for my pension, you know, and I'm just trying to get to that pension because that's, you know, whenever you see any sort of police drama or thing, it's like, it's always about the pension, you know, and understandably so. You're putting your life on the line.
4: This is Jennifer Wood. She's the editor of Mental Floss.
1: You do get sort of pushed into, like, this place where, like, okay, so I go in here trying to make a difference, and now I just want to get through it. I want to survive. I want to, like, make my existence as as easy on me as possible because who has the energy to, like, keep fighting a system that where everyone is pretty much against you for, you know, 20 years, 10 years. Like, you can imagine, you know, if they, they brought the wire back today, you can sort of see Prez just being... Another one of those, like, by the numbers, you know, probably has his own kids now. It's like he's got that stuff at home. And and those kids, you know, in the school are just, or he just wants to get them the basic thing that they need to to move on, you know. Um, it I think it would happen to the person who who wouldn't be
5: browbeaten. Prez is trying to outsmart the system. This is our good friend and contributor, Baltimorean Andrew Johnston. He thinks that this singular act of charity, like this in not singular, individual act of charity is going to matter. And I I have found this and I I probably did the same thing if I really sat and thought about it when I first started teaching. And you you, you see the, the couple of troubled students that you could, re- oh, I could really help if I just had some extra office hours and like took them out for a meal or something like that, you know. But ultimately, you are a limited resource. Each of us is a limited resource, right? We only have so many hours in a day. We only only have so much money to give. And like this sharing your means this one individual is not it's kind of the flaw in charity in general like I'm not saying anyone should not give to charity charity is a perfectly reasonable thing in the system we live in but in the system we live in charity is just woefully insufficient you know if you count up all the privately funded food banks and and homeless shelters and and all of these these charities and you weigh it against the impact of poverty it's crystal clear that poverty is winning that that struggle um and so again prez thinks that he's going to operate outside of the system and that's going to allow him to have this great impact he's looking for. And it's not, it's not like the system has to change.
4: I have such respect for teachers and I've have, I a have huge respect for all of our listeners who are teachers mm. um, because it's a hard job it's a, but it's such an important job it's one that's undervalued by society Yeah. It, this, this 100% it, it, one, one of the things this season is telling us very <laughs> clearly 53 million dollar deficit um and in the budget and um and it's one i i i couldn't do and i think it takes a, a real type of person and a, and a lot of courage as yeah. well
3: yeah, I, I considered it for like a split second to be a teacher. And I I couldn't I couldn't do it. And so it's much kudos to anyone who could do it.
4: They'd walk uh, all over us, Covey. No,
3: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um but Prez here also he kind of Prez is look after a few kids here. He goes over to check on Randy, um, at Miss Anna's house. Um and using a bit more of his police wiles, he has a chat with those guys. Um and then sees the kind of unmarked car that Carver and the team had helped set up outside Randy's place. Yeah. Just to say, okay, things are looking good. I'm kind of happy here.
4: Um, but he, even in this moment, Prez looks kind of dubious. Yeah. Doesn't he? Like, I, It's interesting how Prez's faith in the police as an institution has been shaken now, as has Randy's, because we see yeah, yeah. the cold reception that Randy gives Carver when Carver then later shows up at his house. Yeah. Um, you know the uh, his foster mother gives him a very warm reception, invites him in for for breakfast, a yeah. meal. But Randy's not impressed, Um which ultimately then leads to that heartbreaking final scene in this episode. Uh, so as as you'll all know, Randy's home gets horribly firebombed in one of the most vicious I,
3: I, attacks I, in the wire. I object. No, object to this. I'm. So you're anti anti fire
4: anti fire bombing I am anti fire <laughs> bombing it's sta- staunch <laughs> position <laughs>
3: but the setup for that was someone rang the police and said um like policeman down Yeah, shots fired shot, nearby right yeah exactly there. and
4: they and they leave. and surely there's a protocol in place to prevent exactly. this exact exactly. type of thing exactly if you're trying to protect somebody
3: I would have thought that would be the first thing they can you just check if there's actually anyone there that actually needs attention yeah. first of all and i yeah i'm so angry about it but obviously what transpires is that yeah it's firebombed and we see the outpouring of that next episode mm. but it's yeah it's not a good scene when you, you finish the episode with a molotov cocktail into a into a house um
4: and that and that scene in the hospital they they do you know they they show you very little of the actual drama of mm. that which i think makes it more horrifying yeah. right just cuz we what, what, what this they cut from the um, the fire bombing to the next time we we um cut to this plot is in the hospital and Carver's visiting and you know we just get that glimpse on the, on the wall him clocking the the, the names thing. on the wall and then going to see Randy and Randy Again, just it's that exacerbated cold treatment. Like, are you really going to help? Are you going to look out for me, uh, Detective Carver? Yeah, you're going to look out for me in that, that sort of like jaded, c- cynical way. And you can't blame him, it's, nah. it's really tragic. He knows
3: He knows what's going to happen to him before we do, which is horrible. Um, but
4: I got you know, hats off to um, uh, Joe Chappelle, uh, who directed this episode and the team because that, um, closing shot of of, uh, Kyra walking down that that, um, hospital corridor Mm. is like really haunting and just really well done
2: I'm going to talk to social services
8: we'll get you some help
9: Randy
0: Gonna help, huh? You gonna look out for me? You gonna look out for me, Sergeant Carver? You mean it? You gonna look out for me? You promise?
2: You got my back, huh? My favorite scene is, uh, is for sure, and I'm sure you could guess, but it's. Definitely the one with me and Sergeant Carver in the hospital.
4: You're listening to Maestro Harrell, who played Randy Wagstaff. I don't know what, exactly what I was
2: thinking when I shot that. You know what I mean? But I do know I got the achieved result I wanted. And I do know that, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird because it's, 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 I don't know. It's just when you have stuff like that, especially with, like, something that's that emotional at that age, I just feel like, looking back on it, she's like man like even when i watch myself in other things too though you you kind of be like man like who was that 15 16 year old kid like you were like well like what, what did i when i was done with that scene what did i immediately care about see what i mean like what was it, what was, it like, was it the next xbox 360 game was the next 2k about to come i don't know but it's just i will say though but that like a i love that scene because so iconic uh for the show and that, and i'm grateful for that um but then two yeah i just feel like watching it i just see this like yeah i just see this kid who i'm like man even even now even now i watch it i just go like man like yeah you gotta keep doing this shit like i believe you and i and i don't get me wrong i'm hard on myself because i'll rewatch watch them and be like yeah i don't yeah, that, that ain't my best. Uh, you saw that? Yeah, it's all right. Like I had like I'm really hard on myself. So it's like since I've that, it's just like, yeah. And also I I think I like that one so much too, because I know, like I said, this happened to somebody. So whether this whether that person ever sees it, whether that person whether there's somebody else, because there will be more who go through it. Like it's not gonna stop, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like to uh, you know if, if they feel and I and like I've seen, like I said I've like I've just, it's been a thing that I've always been told about. So hopefully this is true.
9: He trusted Carver, and there's a very painful scene in which he says, you know, to Carver, "Oh, you got my back. Oh, you gonna take care of me? I see what that looks like," Um, because Carver had let him down. And Carver, to his credit, was devastated.
4: This is Kristen Henning. She's the director of the Georgetown. Juvenile Justice Initiative, and she's also the author of Rage of Innocence, How America Criminalizes Black Youth.
9: That's what kids see. It's really hard for black children in America to develop a trusting relationship with police. Um, and, and that's just one sort of uh, example, anecdotal example almost, of how that, those kinds of relationships deteriorate. But they didn't take care of him um, with the level of attention that they needed.
3: I guess sticking with Prez, Prez is all over this episode. Um, of sorry prayers. not, not prayers. Well, I guess in the schools um, we're seeing the the tests that they've been they've been trying to juke the stats for they've been, they've been training the kids yeah. for yeah um, they should have had Juki do it
4: <laughs> Juki exactly? Jukes Jukies Jukes Jukes <laughs> <laughs> did he did
3: he take the test before he left I can't remember oh god I don't know
4: um he always just seemed to be on that computer he did do did he do any work <laughs> I would have loved to have Sky taken <laughs> tests to play I mean, on a computer he got to go up to high school so he's <laughs> just been doing something
3: um but we yeah we see the tests happening. No one seems happy about it. Um, and the, no. you see the kind of each of the different. Well, you see Prez's class. And you see Buddy Bunny Colvin's class taking the tests. Neyman seems to be doing all right. Zerobe seems to be doing all right. Um, I can't remember the other kids that went to the restaurant. Albert, Albert and uh, oh, oh, Al- oh yeah, little Albert. I can't remember what he was. How he was doing. But the other, the other guy that went, the guy that went to the restaurant with him. I can't remember his name. The, but he,
4: the, the listeners are screaming at us. Yeah. Never mind the listeners screaming at you. Producer Tom is screaming at you. It's Darnell Tyson, played by Devon Cooper. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we don't have an encyclopedic knowledge. He doesn't.
3: He doesn't. He's not a fan of it. He's not a fan of the tests. <laughs> no, no. Um,
4: and neither is um, Bunny or Doctor yeah. Parenti. You know, they kind of, you know,
3: Bunny Prez, Doctor Parenti are all pissed off. Um, Mr. Kett is not happy with what's yeah. going on. It's just
4: like, well, we have to do this because our hands has been forced. Nobody wants to do these tests except the institution itself, yeah. which is fifty-three million dollars in, in deficit. <laughs> the whole institution, not just Tillman yeah. High School, the whole <laughs> the whole bloody thing. Yeah. fifty-three million dollars. Ah. the same the same issues kind of um, exist here in the UK with this whole idea of you know it just being completely stats driven and mm. results driven. I think that that drives a lot of the um um. A lot of the wrong focus in the education system. Yeah, well,
3: I didn't grow up with the SAT system, which they have now. And I kind of fear for that kind of stress. Obviously, there's been generations that have gone through that now since I left school and went through the school system. But, you know, that's the stress of exams is real. And to have like young kids doing it and like pressure from the parents, because there will be pressure from the parents. And it's like, it just seems unfair. Um, and the schools are being the schools are ranked here right so by that. Ofsted, is in, and all yeah, that Ofsted kind of yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. they're ranked by this how kids perform and I think a lot of people know a lot of people realise that how you perform in a test doesn't necessarily represent your intelligence or your capability in life afterwards it's
4: how yeah. you know how to you know how to do a test um, it also creates an incredible amount of stress yeah for the individual right I mean like I still wake up having nightmares the only nightmares the only recurring nightmare <laughs> I, I have is literally I have to sit my it was called the leaving cert in Ireland mm-hmm. so the equivalent of the A-levels I guess or I don't know what it is in America but the uh, um, yeah I, 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 I have to sit it again because whatever happened 20 years ago there was a mistake <laughs> and now I have to do it again and I, and I don't re- remember anything <laughs> the, and it's horrifying I wake up with the sweats man it's I don't want- terrifying
3: So we're on Prez's side, we're on Bunny's side, we're on Mr. Kett's side, we're on Dr. And we're on the side side. of the students. Yes, absolutely. Ban all tests. Ban all tests. Some other kind of, you know, qualification, but
4: yeah. Well, continuous assessment is a a better model or those kind of things, right?
5: Well, I think think so.
3: Yeah. I think so. Um, Did we just fix the system? I think we did.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That is a real thing, and it really doesn't serve anyone's interests. Um, exams are consistently shown to not be a good way to actually measure whether or not students have met learning objective. Um, exam anxiety is a uh, serious issue that, uh, that I've seen studies that show it impacts as much as 30% of students. More than one letter grade, like that is huge. It skews all of the results. Like you have to throw those results out because a third of the students lost a letter grade because they're nervous. That's not measuring anything. Um, and one of the most significant factors for success on one of these exams is whether or not you had breakfast that morning. You know, which if you're Duquan, you know, you didn't unless Prez brought you an apple or something like that didn't happen. You go like, well, OK, well, then what's then how are we tying school budgets to these exams? It doesn't make any sense. And the show knows it doesn't make any sense. And they it seems like a lot of my friends who watched them and like, especially in the UK, go, Oh, they really exaggerated that, right? Because like they're just trying to point out that it that the testing is ridiculous. And I was like, they didn't have to. They just they just went to a school meeting and took some notes, transcribed the meeting, and then came over and gave everyone a script. Because it, it is scary how real that is. And it really does come down to just like they're juking the stats in the which Prez says they're juking the stats in the police, they're juking the stats in the school, they're juking the stats on the streets. They're doing it everywhere. Um, and it hasn't gotten better
4: right so in the last episode we had that amazing moment where Freeman discovered a tomb he became a tomb raider <laughs> 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 now that's a, that, that's something I'd watch <laughs> right? that's the
3: Freeman tomb raider yeah I would watch that I, I I would watch one hundred. He
4: could be like a, like a, a one of Lara, Lara Croft's like eccentric uncle. Yeah, I love it.
3: I yeah. love it. That should be the next iteration because there's not been any good Lara Croft film. I didn't see the last one. It's probably, better. although Dominic West was in the last one. That was, a, that was one, all right. One? Oh,
4: he was. <laughs> oh my God, full circle. Yeah, you well, know, all, all all the pieces matter. So uh, Freeman found a tomb. We found all the bodies, mm-hmm. and that's where we left things. Now. Enter Jay Lansman.
3: And not just enter Jay Landsman. So they're on, they're in the vacants. Charge in. Jay Lansman drives, I don't know how far to get there, to tell Freeman off
4: to stop finding He's fucking not bodies. happy. No, not He's got all. a clearance rate, man. You know, we talk about juking the stats. He, he lives again. by the stats. Fuck the stats. Landsman loves his stats. And you do not mess with the clearance rate. If there's one thing we know about the homicide department, yeah. and if there's one thing that David Simon and Ed Burns learned about their time at the homicide department. Mike. The board is king.
3: We've seen this before when McNulty
4: <laughs> Oh, in season two. In season two yeah. got, got
3: all the bodies in the can. No one was happy with them. Le- least of all Jay Landsman. In this one the press the fact that <laughs> the fact that Freeman's uncovered the tip of the iceberg and suggest there's gonna be 20 more <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At least. Is enough to get Jay Landsman to leave <laughs> His desk, leave his porn, leave his coffee. <laughs> yeah, it is weird.
4: It's jarring seeing him outdoors, it is, isn't it? It yeah.
6: is. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree that the the point of the character, and and who I think he might be is the fellow who goes along to get along. This is the absolutely incredible voice of Delaney
4: Williams, who played Jay Landsman.
6: But as opposed to a nefarious action that he might take, it would be, uh, we have a certain quota, and we have to meet that quota. Once we get that quota, then you can go off on your own and have your thing. But if you're going to screw with what I have to get done, then you're fucking with my, um, my life and my income, and at the same time, we are solving murders, but we're not going out there looking for murders. I think he says that more than once, and I know he says it to, to uh, Clark and, and Wendell, to not Clark and Wendell, to Bunk and Freeman, um, in when when they're finding the bodies in the vacants. Uh, uh, and I think it's a it's one of the important descriptors that they put in the show uh About bureaucracy, about large institutions um and the mental managers who make them run um who make them work and um uh create that no- another level of of i don't know more politics and more agendas to go through to solve whatever issue you started trying to solve the first place when you formed a police force and you aren't really doing that good a job of anymore because as a part of that is these levels that exist and the people that have to live in them
4: and it shows you how much things have have changed yeah in the wire within one season right because at the beginning of this we had you know it would have been Freeman going into well, Rawls would still be involved, but Rawls to Burrell to Royce. You think those? That would you, th- be the, you think yeah, that, that would same the chain. chain of command would yeah. have opened up the vacants? I don't know.
3: I don't think it would, but or it w- they'd been slower about it. There would have been the way the way Daniels learns how to play the game even more from his side of things, where he just goes to he goes to Rawls and said, "You know, let's get the bodies on this side of the air, so it's yeah, the, the previous attributable administration.
4: to the yeah. Daniels is good because he." He um can he does he is moralistic and Mm. wants to do the right thing just like Freeman and help his buddy Freeman out while also as you say being able to navigate the the game right so he can he can manage upwards and downwards very absolutely yeah because the stats you know is
3: a massive concern for the higher ups but at the same time he's like we need to make sure you. You're doing it right
4: and what's interesting i think about this is when rawls brings that to Carcetti with mm. the same message carchetti is still in this very green idealistic phase of of his of his mate of his mayor isn't he because he he's kind of a oh, how that will fall like offended <laughs> isn't he at the beginning by yeah, yeah. what by what Rawls says like like this bodies man you've got to open up those bodies what are you talking about but but then he also says but yeah also it'd be nice to get the stats <laughs> for roy he's thanks. starting to learn he's starting thanks to turn that.
3: Um but this is great. I mean it's, the band's coming back together again. We got the get we get the guys back in the MCU, Sydney's there.
4: Yes. We get that great scene where Marimo is walking out with his Mate, box. Off you fuck, my friends. Oh friend. my god, so <laughs> satisfying. And there's that lovely moment where um where Herc says, you know, Marimo leaves and Herc turns to, to Freeman and he says, Look, um, is it okay if like we just make it look like the orders are coming from me because from me, I'm a sergeant? <laughs> You're just like, see if...
3: Freeman doesn't give a shit. He's like, mate, do what you need to do to get your, your thrills.
10: Sometimes life just gives you a moment, huh? He was going to do me and instead he gets done, I'm dipped in shit here. I'm the luckiest motherfucker you know.
8: Gentlemen, the target is still Mr. Stanfield. And from the look of things, we're no closer to him than when I left here two months ago. Now, they might not let me go after murders, but they cannot stop me from chasing the drugs. Leander, I want you surveilling his people, see if they're still up on cell phone. How are you with the paper trail? (sighs) Okay. I want you down to the city assessment office, pulling paper on all the purchases on the west side, over a 100,000. Then get down to MVA and check out luxury cars in his name, all right? Now, this boy's been in the game for a while now. He might try to launder money. Herc, I want you on the paperwork re-requisitioning the wiretap equipment that Marimo shipped on down to ISD. We're gonna need all of that to get back up. Okay? If anyone needs me, I'm down at missing persons. All right? Let's go. Last This is cool. Mm What do
2: you think we could do so that the direction comes from me? Mean, I am the
4: sergeant here, and as per Daniels's word, mm. Freeman has got to pick his uh, his MCU so, commander, yeah. And he has chosen wisely, he chose Beach House Man himself, <laughs> uh, Asher, I think is his name, right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, which is great. He comes back in, first thing he says, is, How's the Beach House going? Great, get in there, he doesn't <laughs> does
4: <laughs> get not, back in does, there, my friend. <laughs>
3: Herc's like, Who the fuck's that? The best commander in the whole of this."
4: district, <laughs> yeah, bit. um. But, yeah, Kima doesn't come back. No, she seems so. so Well, we see, um, you see Freeman sort of go to her, right? Mm-hmm. He's about to give her the offer, and but he kind of tests her first. Like, are you liking it here? And she seems happy. She literally is, she's like, getting, legs she's getting up on the pay. desk, like, down the phone yeah. talking about some booty call she's doing.
3: <laughs> well, she's getting her extra yeah. pay, isn't she? She's paying off her baby mama. Uh, for the child child support, yeah. So I think she's she's in a good place, and see it. I mean, if Lester was any other cop, he could be going out that chain of command. But he's he's he suits himself. He suits himself right to the ground where he's at. He's happy as all the pigs and all the shit.
9: Yeah.
4: Now he just wants to get the job done.
3: He does. Yeah. And well.
4: Uh, and then we get that other great scene with uh, Freeman Bunkin McNulty in the bar. Like mm-hmm. absolute legends. And um and I love Freeman. I mean
3: Bunker McNulty in the bar is always great, but when Freeman's there it always adds like an extra layer of like
4: this pleasure. class. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. Is. He they're, <laughs> they're quite a quite a triple build. They are. Of all the characters in the wire, they're the ones you'd love to just go on for a night out Absolutely. With, crazy. Um as long as they didn't go to Orlando's bar. Um, or, anyway. or as long as you don't end up in a vacant looking for a body, <laughs> as, well, as in what happens how, in this Yeah, episode. how is that ever a bet? Yeah. Can... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But they, yeah, they make Freeman makes a bet that if we walk into any vacant with this uh, nail, we'll find a body. And, and lo and behold, they do. Do they call it in? No, because they're not allowed. Because Lansman said no. <laughs> that... It's such a mental situation it when is. you think about it. I
3: think the thing, the thing to finish off here in the Major Crimes is that all of... Um, <laughs> All of Herc's dalliances and Jackassery, as we talked about in previous episodes kind of comes to a head. Yeah. Um the internal affairs like something's wrong here, mate. We need Herc and we need Sidney, we need uh we need Dozerman. Dozerman And Herc to his credit to his credit says, No, you don't need me. You don't need any, you don't need those guys, you just need me. I yeah. can I can bow to them. And you,
4: yeah, yeah, you got to give it to Herc in that instance. Yeah, as much of a, uh, as much as a, of a tit, and as hateable <laughs> as he is for his actions to Bubbles, to Randy, you know, he's a fuck up. But he, he, he's got some level of a code, right? He's not, he's, gonna, got, he's not going to bring his friends down with it. This him, is the thing. Yeah, that's that's where his
3: history. that's where his code lies, and that's why him and Herc in the in the early season were so great. Sorry, Sorry. that's why. Yeah. That's why. I said again. him so that's why him and Carver are so great together because they had each other's backs Herc has everyone's back in this yeah. in, the, in, in the force 100% I do not doubt
4: that for one second yeah. that he's got the, the, their backs um, and he was trying to do the right thing like he yeah. was trying to take down Marlowe in his to, own way yeah. which,
5: <laughs> <laughs> in his
4: own incompetent way in his own face palming way yeah.
5: oh Herc this is his season this is Herc's season. Of all the seasons, this where we have Herc. This is where because he does it all. He catches the mayor having sex. He um, he loses the camera. He uh, he doesn't protect Randy. He doesn't protect Bubbles, and, and both of those things come back and bite everyone in the like. Everyone gets bit by those in some way, shape, or form. You know, like Herc becomes um he becomes like the the I don't know what you would call it, I forget what the, the term is. He's like the lightning rod for chaos this season. Yeah. He is at he is at the center. He's in the eye of the storm of all the really bad stuff that happens this season and the crazy like no one man has been more influential in the city of Baltimore than Herc's character is this season. You're just like my God, <laughs> it's just a non-stop.
6: Um,
3: just a quick stop by what Carcetti's up to. Um, trying to find $54 million essentially,
4: um, yeah, so this is the big issue of this episode, isn't it? And they so they they kind of well they decide that they're going to have to go to the governor. Yeah, Annapolis support, right? Is a Republican governor. Um and we see this sort of scene of the uh Carquette and Norman just sitting outside in this grand location. It's Christmas, apparently. Yeah, this is just th- discover. This
3: this episode and next episode are as close as you get to a a Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's not, not at all Christmassy, no. except for this moment.
4: Um, and they're getting dicked around, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. Clearly, it's a, it's a it's a power play. It is right. New is on a call. Um,
3: and it's only when they leave to go home after after hours presumably spent there that the that the governor's ready to take them.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like as they're walking out the door. Mm. So it's a total play. Um, and then we kind of finish. Well, this is all going to accumulate in next episode. But uh, this final scene of uh, on this plot is them all around the council chambers, and they're kind of assessing their options. And 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 the it's kind of laid out to Carcetti as you um, you either take the money and then you lose your shot in two years at governor because mm-hmm. he'll bring that up, and the DC voters will be like. Well, you, We on. had to bail you we out. Bail rubbish, you were rubbish, yeah. yeah. Um, but you save the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, or you um, don't do that and you get your shot at governorship in two years But uh, and you kind of help the teachers, right? That was the kind of two options.
3: Yeah. Well, which way does he decide? We'll find out next episode.
4: Stay tuned, yeah. guys. There were a couple of great lines from Norman I'd like to call out. Sure, of course. This is so Reggie Cathy is so good. He says, he, he sums it up as, so we take the state money and our schools go from being fucked up and broke to just being fucked up. <laughs> 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 the other one I like, Carcetti asks, how in Christ's name do you lose $54 million? And Norman's so cool. He just goes, one million at a time.
3: <laughs> but I don't, know, I, I don't know the setup of the states of each state in the United States but you kind of think help them out without having to eat. just help help them out obviously put caveats there
4: I know but the problem you, is it's an individual like it's yeah. it's it's ultimately it's two people's egos going up it against is. each other, right? It's it's a, the Republican governor and Karketi having having literally just playing games with each other if only could just in remove, a waiting room, right? If
3: we could remove egos from, I mean, yeah, if it could just remove egos from politics. <laughs> <then> <laughs> Wouldn't it that
9: would be play, nice? It would be plain sailing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this. So not only are we not investing um, enough in schools, um, and, and when I talk about investing in schools, investing in schools in ways that allow for smaller class sizes so that teachers can actually, you know, do their jobs, having, um, you know, assistance for teachers, you know, a behavioral aide who's not a police officer, who's not a law, you know, a law enforcement official, who's not going to, you know, uh, uh, take a punitive or disciplinary or exclusionary response to the child, but just work one-on-one, right, with young people who need uh, help. Um you know, investing in resources for mental health services, for special education resources, for children who have additional needs. So, yes, we see that across the country is that some schools, period, just don't have enough resources. And then when they do have the resources, we're allocating the resources within schools the wrong way. So, we're allocating resources, the budgets for police and schools is ginormous in many schools. Um, and there's a whole report by um, the ACLU called um, Cops and and no counselors. It's a beautiful report for the by the American Civil Liberties Union. If any of your listeners want to read more, and it literally goes like you know uh, city by city or you know school district by school district, and talks about the number of officers that schools have in comparison to the number of mental health providers, and it's just the the, the disproportionality, our, our misalignment of resources and priorities is just so skewed in our country. So we're investing wrong. <laughs>
3: What's going on with Because is is This he's, is a
4: this is a breaking point for Neamond this it is. episode, isn't it? It's
3: a bit of it's a bit of a, he's, he's a, bit of a tick this season this episode.
4: Um Well this is this is well this all kicks off when um Kennard is it or Kennard or Kennard? Kennard Kennard um tells Naamond um that the package got the, the police raided his his his, high, his stash right they kicked in the door mm-hmm. and Naaman's like oh shit that, oh, that sucks okay great <laughs> and then tells Michael Michael has to point out to Naaman that Kennard probably took it <laughs> You know, and, and this again, we see Michael street smarts. He says, go and, you know, check the door. Did the door get busted down? And yeah. yeah. Signs of the lock's being broken, which.
3: Well, it's a street smart. So he's, he's been taught by the best. We've seen him in his in his black ops training. <laughs>
4: yeah, you're right.
3: Uh, so Chris and Snoop, and they've probably taught him the nail gun trick by this point. Uh, if you want to bury people, use these nail guns. Yeah. He knows all about doors. It's got to be the this type. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're right.
4: Yeah. He's nails and doors. He got the basic DIY training. Um, and then we get that brutal brutal scene um where Michael goes to confront Kenard with Naimund. with Naimund. and
3: we should just reiterate the difference in size between namond and Kennard and
4: the ferocity he's a child- he's a child Like yes. he's an actual ch- i mean they're all children as such but <laughs> he's Kenard is a tiny tiny child yes yeah,
3: but the ferocity that he has. When, when oh he's brilliant when, when... I st- yeah I stuck your package up my ass that's where it is <laughs> when Kennard is the same age as Name he will be one of the most fearsome people on on the oh, planet hundred percent
0: that scene when we were shooting
7: that first of all it was called as house sir that's the first thing
4: this is Tuliso Dingwall he played Kennard on the wire
7: Tuliso my man Tuliso my man Tuliso he played Kennard that's my man. Shout out to Taliso, man. Oh, my goodness. How could I ever forget the little bro, man? He was, he's the man.
0: It was cold as hell. Um, we hadn't eaten for, like, a legit, I want to say, six hours or so, but we were shooting outside, and um, it was interesting to do, because they were trying to get different camera angles and things like that, uh, but we were had been shooting for several hours that scene, uh, and it was cold great night though and my dad got pissed cuz we hadn't eaten for several hours which is why I have the memory outside of the actual scene but um it was a great scene to shoot uh the timing for the punches was all timing everybody always asked if I really get hit and I always tell them no <laughs> um but uh yeah no I didn't really get hit the blood tastes like a weird strawberry soury syrup stuff and my teeth my knocked out teeth were little pieces of chocolate gum like I f if you guys ever notice it when I'm laying on the ground there and you see my teeth, like the the teeth, I swear to god it was gum. And that strawberry, like the blood those taste like straw it's like sour strawberry something. But it's it's edible but it's not something you want to keep in your mouth for a whole long time. But but yeah, it was that scene was um it was definitely fun to shoot. Good pizza afterwards and again just a fun moment with Julito.
4: With this is his breaking point, right? When yeah. he sees what Michael unleashes on Kenar, I think this is. I think this is the first point that Naaman has realized what the game is, or or the dark side of the game, right? Because he's been treating it as a game, yes, as such, um, or just something um, you know, his mother wants him to do. And also, I think
3: the benefit of uh, Bunny Colvin over the over the season teaching him how to do things as well. I think he must have had that influence from Bunny and those yeah, guys. Yeah,
4: yeah, softened him a bit. But but like for me, I think that it's so beautifully acted here as well. Where where um, he's backing away and he's just said, "I don't want it. Mm. I, I don't want it." Uh, it really broke my heart. I'm writing my notes for this episode. I just a lot of my notes. i looking back at them. Were just the sad, the crying face emoji. <laughs> Why am I laughing? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, it's just so sad. But uh, but I uh, but it, it what it then. Um, translates to those emotions mm-hmm. is kind of bravado. So he goes to the gym and starts picking on Dookie to try <laughs> and... Um, and he sa- and he says the same line, right? And Michael picks up... He says the same line that um, Kennard had said to him, I think. And um, Michael picks up on it and Michael steps in. It's funny, you don't know who to... Because uh, Michael's gone so dark here. yeah, But also... And and Naaman's being addicted to Dookie, so you're like stand up for him, but also Michael is terrifying and you feel bad for Naaman. It's like you just feel bad for everyone really here.
3: I reckon like Naaman ran home last night the night before and just said, Right, I need to I need to get my edge back and Yeah, he's, he's an easy a, target. Yeah, who's the easiest target? Dookie.
10: One of my all time favorites is D'Angelo saying with his mom and he's saying, You gotta you you raised me into this and now you gotta let me you gotta let me do you gotta let me do me. And he, he basically tells her that he can't do it anymore.
4: This is, of course, the one and only Naaman, played brilliantly by Julito McCullum.
10: And I, I, I always think of that scene. And it's this rewatch that I, that I, lately that I've been doing where I'm noticing how that correlates to my episode, my season, and my character having that moment with Carver. And, um, and uh, I believe it was Cuddy in the gym. And it was just perfect, man. It's just... It's just perfect writing, dude. Like it's a really well written show, and I, I just you don't get you don't get TV like this anymore, man. You just don't.
3: But Dookie's kind of nonplussed, but also, but ne- Michael's gone. He's, he's turned the corner now. Where he's just like, I can't be, I can't be dealing with this. Yeah, you're a pussy for want of a better turn of phrase, <laughs> and I, I you're, 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 I don't know michael just michael just saw like the, the red mist at that point yeah um
4: so and then cuddy kicks him out of the gym right yeah and then, and then so an interesting chain of events is about to kick off i mean um so cuddy calls carver for help you know um cuddy um to, to help for help with Namond, and they kind of figure out what's happening then cuddy goes to appeal to michael um, and this is kind of another break. This, this is a turning point where things could go either way for mm-hmm. Michael. You, you kind of feel, and Cuddy's really putting himself on the line here. While also we get that a glimpse of that hard ass soldier that Cuddy used to be, oh, right? Mate. Where he he doesn't even look, he doesn't even blink, or look address the monk. Isn't it the guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he pays for it with a with a kneecap. Right? Well, they shot yeah, yeah.
3: shot a knee. <laughs> Bunny's um, not bunny. Sorry, um. Cutty is is fearsome, and this I, I love the way he has turned away from the game, and he, I love the way he's he knows still what he could be, he knows um, the kind of person he used to be, but he's so happy like now, protecting these yeah. kids, um, looking out for them, looking out for himself as well.
4: He lives in both worlds quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's that tragic line where you know Michael stops, says, "I'll call you an ambulance." Mm. Cause Michael's still such a good kid, and he says, "No, go be with your people. This is like cutting. Let, he knows. He knows. Go.
3: He knows if Michael doesn't go and and join them, then he's gonna he's be in more trouble. He's gonna be in more trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He knows. He he does know the game, and he knew how to get out of it as well. Yeah. And that was that's it. That's actually really interesting. He knew how to get out of the game.
11: Yeah. Just say, trying to t- get the hell out of here. We let's not double down
4: on this. This is, of course, the man himself, Chad Coleman who played Cutty on The Wire.
11: But you, I also know you you didn't have to be a knee. It could have been a different part of the body, and that would have been a done deal. And I do understand the abject violence. I understand them. I used to do that. I lived it. So I understood it, but that's what I'm saying. That, that compassionate heart, especially in the hood, when you're able to find it, and you able to demonstrate that no matter how they act in your face, trust me, that's a powerful thing. So yes, even in that critical moment, he understood that he didn't want them to be any more of a victim than they already were, you know? And, um, to me on, on a certain level, as I said, he did spare my life. He did. That was a warning. Don't, you know, one of the lines I like, and I know it has nothing to do with this, is I told you about, about playing them away games. Well, that's how that related to, to cutting. Don't leave that gym. <laughs> These streets ain't for you, bro. they go come to you. If they don't come to you, don't you come out here because you ain't ready for this. And I understand that. And, and conversely, I understood it from the political side with String of Pell and and uh you know Boxdale telling that was one of my favorite scenes too. He said, I told you about
4: Platinum away games. Right, why don't we check in with uh with Bubbles? Uh, I don't want to check in with Bubbles. This is a tough one. This is a tough old plot. Um so <laughs> Bubbles is shopping around for <laughs> some chemicals. <laughs> Why am I laughing? I don't know. know, know, Sometimes you you have to laugh. It's so dark. Um, So, Bubbles, we're we're in in a sort of a yard.
3: Where does it go? I I need to buy some killing chemicals. Um, Where do I go, please? Well, there's a fountain of knowledge,
4: which Bubbles taps into, like, a horrifying (laughs) fountain of knowledge. Like, everyone knew. There was, like, what about rat poison? No, that's not going to do the job. What you want is sodium cyanide. Yeah. You want to slip just the right amount um and i think the other horrifying thing here was how confidently and assuredly um i don't know if we got any of the names of the other characters here but they you know and the, that one guy says to bubbles like don't worry about the police. They they're not going to come looking. They're not going to no. investigate because they, they like because this this guy's going to be essentially like a nothing to yeah. the police, which is so horribly sad.
3: Well, yeah, they're not going to test for cyanide. They're going to test for drugs in the system and come to the conclusion that it was an overdose. Yeah, and that's that's all well, fine. Off yeah,
4: and and nothing, and they won't bother investigating yeah. any further. I
3: don't think they when Johnny Weeks died. I don't think they were they were like well he's OD'd. Yeah, off you go, mate.
4: You're fine. So that's how. I mean that. That's how these people who have slipped through the cracks of society are treated. They're not even. Their deaths aren't even investigated. And there's another scene in this episode where Freeman goes to missing persons mm-hmm. to try and cross reference some of the, um, to try and cross reference with some of the bodies they're going to find in the in the in the vacants, and we get that another horrifying insight into the failings of the system where that detective tells him. Uh, you know, it's just me. We yeah, lost all our staff super, super years ago. Understaffed, yeah. yeah. I can't even keep up with the paperwork. Yeah. So it's just like that to me was just a horrifying like if you go missing in this city mm-hmm. or if um or if you're a junkie, you you you're basically oh, you're you're Well you're screwed. Well there's nothing
3: there's no no one's gonna know about it. Unless Anything you can hear happen it, to you. Unless you hear it on the streets, you don't know what's happened to someone. Yeah.
4: Um And not- and it it's kinda ties in with the epigraph of this episode, which was uh, a bubbles line was like that's all there is that all there is to it like i this like the murder the 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 path to murdering bubbles's tormentor is so easy mm. right the the police won't investigate it um you can buy these chemicals over the counter right so it's like it is it is incre it, it is incredibly easy but what bubbles doesn't realize is that violence and crossing that line comes with a cost right and michael is paying that cost for for crossing that line which we're seeing with his soul being deteriorating um and Bubbles sadly pays the cost in a different way yeah and it
8: was like he was showing him like he saw himself you're
4: listening to anwan glover who played slim charles
8: you know and it's like you know this this kid was like running with his guys and then he got addicted and that's another thing, the writers, they put that, and it was all about like what's really going on in Baltimore that goes on and around the world, and that you can relate to, because it happens, like it happened to me with well, a buddy of mine I knew that went to school, and now he's homeless and he's on drugs, but he was at his high life at one time in his life, And you, that was one of the guys that you would never thought that'd go to use drugs. And it was like, okay, damn. And then now he's sleeping in the car. He pushing the car. It's like, well, it was, God damn, well, you know, he's grooming him so you don't want to go that way. But it's too late sometimes. You know what I mean? And sometimes they get caught in that pen. But that, I thought that was amazing for the writers to put that in.
7: Listen, I, listen that that whole thing with Sherrod, you know, taking the tranquilizer, thinking it was cocaine, all that fine shit, like, well, you know, anthrax. Like, at the end of the day, it was all playing into my favor, right? As my development, my character development, uh, more airtime, more role time, right? Uh, because now it's like, okay, we're trying to get this guy. We're trying to kill him. we like, we got to do something. The police can't get him. We got to do something. So now people are like, tune the fuck in. You know what I'm
4: saying? Boo hiss. This is Bubbles' Tormentor, played brilliantly by the actor Armando Cadigan Jr.,
7: I loved it, <laughs> I loved it, you know what I'm saying? Because the, 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 more, the more they were trying to figure out how to end me, the more I was coming back. You get what I'm saying? And I, and I was making it difficult for them because a lot of my roles, I mean, a lot of my scenes, a lot of the things that I said was freestyle. It was, it was improvisation. Like I improv a lot of that with Andre, you know? I was giving like, three, like two to three lines that I had to say, but the rest of that was us, you know. what I'm saying so. We we were very proud of that work and that chemistry. We was really like giving it our all, you know. And that's what made it special because it translated well over time.
4: But I think let's talk about the. I don't know what I can say about about Sharad's tragic death. Mm. It is just like it's just tragic accident, really. But I... it's it, it's a metaphorical sort of cost that that bubbles has paid for his willingness to murder yeah
3: he's, yeah. he's lost he's lost the, he's lost the kid he's lost his ward the person he yeah was happy to see come back and preside over and take care and pretend he's his uncle and give a roof over and teach him maths and you know that he's lost his kid um through his own dumb luck faults um and that's it's a it's a it's a it, can, Bubbles wakes up so happy that day, <laughs> with like plans, uh, of, plans of scheming.
4: It's awful. Whenever a show spends that long on something mundane, yeah, like, you know, you wake up and you're just like talking to somebody. It's just like, <laughs> just no. <laughs> Why don't we talk about something a little more upbeat? <laughs> is it an Omar heist? <laughs> <laughs> you know it. This is exactly my bag. So oh my this is the this is the the big one though. Yeah. You, you know in heist movies when they say it's the big one it's this the one some people come out of retirement for.
3: This and that with we, we certainly had the... Kimmy. Yeah, Kimmy's back Kimmy, for the big one. Kimmy's come out of retirement yeah. for the big one. One last one last, one last just score.
4: <laughs> <one> last. <laughs> we we need you you alone. But unlike a heist movie where that heist would all go wrong and someone would lo- and the and the person coming back from mm. retirement would undeniably die or perish. Yeah. Um it all goes completely according to plan. Well, it's Omar right. set it up. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I like how just simple it was, mm. right? Because because oh, we've seen Omar do not simple as well, like dress as a fucking grandmother in a wheelchair. Right? <laughs> 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 now, now they did have that. They they still had their little, you know, their, you you have to have your your face doing your um your face person do a bit of like play acting, like well, Kimmy mean- pretends to be a. Prostitute, right? Yeah, well, that, yeah. That,
3: that's what she's there for. She's great at doing that, she's great at play acting. Um, that's how Omar recruited uh Kimmy and Tosha in, in you know previous episodes in yeah. previous seasons. Um, I mean, you say it's simple, but it's still like cheese is not cheese is not a stupid person, and his team is not stupid. Yeah, so Omar's there's risk,
4: yeah, yeah, but it just it does seem like a really simple in a way. It does
3: almost, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it's not elaborate. That's yeah, not, it's yeah. not elaborate. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: It's just like they just literally drove up and pointed <laughs> a lot of guns at them and took the drugs. But um what but what I like to be fair to Omar, the the elaborate part is in the the build-up, the intel, mm-hmm. right? The fact that Omar got to where the where like was by we've seen the build-up to this in the last few episodes. Yeah. And it's all by just sitting in the back of a car patiently Absolutely. and watching people's movements, which Ronaldo wasn't as happy to do you um, a sense that he just got pissed off on these stakeouts. But, uh, you know, he followed um, Slim Charles mm-hmm. to Prop Joe's. He followed Cheese. And uh, it's led him to the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair play to him. One step closer to the Greek.
3: <laughs> but he's not even Greek, is he? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, he steals, he, steals, he steals the stash. And a lot of people not going to be happy about it. Uh, we see a bit of Butchie as well.
4: Um he helps to put the team together. Yeah, um, but great. <laughs> it is a heist. Yeah, you can have a heist without putting a team together. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Yeah. I'm in.
3: <laughs>
4: Just uh, referencing Rick and Morty there, guys.
3: <laughs> um, I think that's it for this episode, isn't it? I think that's it.
4: Yeah. Well, we got. I gotta say though, my absolute. I know mean, we we talk about doing alternate uh, epigraphs, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, if I were to pick an epigraph for this episode, it was che- it, it was Cheese's line, where <laughs> he's he's relaying the heist back, back to Prop Joe, and he he describes it as like again like black ops, black ops shit, man. <laughs> and he said he had this one hoe pulling guns out of her pussy, yo. And then he says that shit was unseemly, yo. <laughs> you could have played Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> unseemly. <laughs> That sh- if I'm gonna get, I'm getting a T-shirt that says that shit was unseemly. I love it. I love that.
3: Yeah, never of those two words, shit and unseemly, been in the same <laughs> sentence. That's the majesty of of David Simon and the so writing stuff. Um Sorry, who wrote this episode? This is George Pelicanus, of oh, course. Oh, so good. The author George Pelicanus. Hats off. Um, he probably gave himself the day off after writing that line. <laughs> <laughs> <For sure. laughs> that shit was unseemly. Yeah. <laughs>
4: okay, so that was it for episode 12. So next week is the season finale of season four. It's called Final grades. I can't believe we're actually nearly at the end. What a season. Um, big thank you um, as always to uh, Sam and Martin from the brilliant song by song podcast. By the way, the song by song podcast, if you're a fan of Tom Waits and uh, his and his uh, way down in the hole, track um from the first season of the well oh, for the second season of the wire sorry uh the, the sam and martin go through all of tom Waits's back catalog it's a brilliant podcast it's called song by song
3: yeah and if you'd like the imagery for the season um head over to black snow
4: comments on instagram
3: thank you very much michael for the image that you provided for us this season
4: and thanks to uh, tom wally our uh, chief producer exec honcho and editor extraordinaire official titles it's on his linkedin
3: And thank you very much to Obi Joshua who makes sure that this show comes to you in reasonable time and uh, is just a a genuine gentleman. Um, He does all the transcribing using a software called Sonics. If you want to get 100 free minutes of transcription yourself using Sonics, that's Sonix, that's S O N I X, you can use the link sonix.ai forward slash invite forward slash stripped.
4: And we will see you all. Well, we won't see you. We never see you. This is a podcast. Uh, but we will. you will hear from us <laughs> next week uh, <laughs> for the finale. <laughs>
5: Bye. Bye.